Hello, and welcome to the Harassment Free Workplace Podcast. I'm April Turow of Navigating Integrity Associates. This podcast is for CEOs and HR professionals of small and medium-sized businesses to learn practical suggestions that can be used right away to address harassment in the workplace. We are committed to creating workplaces that work for everyone. Welcome. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Harassment Free Workplace podcast. My name is April Tarot. I'm your host. And today I'm really excited to have Kelly Gray, who's an employment lawyer in Oakville with us. Hello, Kelly. Hi, April. How are you doing today? I'm great. Let me just introduce you to our listeners by uh, reading your bio. So Kelly Gray is a member of the Labor and Employment and Civil Litigation Practice Groups at O'Connor McLeod Hanna LLP. Being from Oakville, Kelly is proud to practice law in a place she calls home. Kelly's practice focuses on employment and labor law and litigation. Kelly is a passionate, smart, and strategic advocate on behalf of her clients' interests. Representing both employer and employee clients, Kelly helps her clients navigate through issues such as wrongful and constructive dismissals, human rights complaints, pension disputes, grievance arbitrations, occupational health and safety issues, overtime policies and entitlements, breach of contract, restrictive covenants, and alleged theft of employee and customer lists. Kelly also has experience drafting policies, employment and independent contractor agreements, and termination letters, and advising her employer contracts on various disciplinary issues as they arise in the workplace. Though she strives to reach an early resolution to any employment dispute, Kelly is prepared to litigate if necessary. She has experience litigating a wide range of matters, including wrongful and constructive dismissals, human rights complaints, breaches of contract, oppression and derivative actions, fraud, negligent misrepresentation, partnership disputes, and professional negligence. Kelly has appeared before various boards and tribunals and arbitrations, the Ontario Superior Court, as well as on the commercial list. Kelly attended law school at Queen's University, where she won multiple academic awards, including the W. Leonard Prize in Evidence, the Davies Ward Phillips and Weinberg LLP Prize in Corporations and Taxation, and the Alberta Scholar at Queen's Law. She also has a Bachelor of Arts from McMaster University. Prior to joining OMH, Kelly practiced employment and complex commercial litigation at a well-respected litigation boutique in downtown Toronto. Kelly is and has always been passionate about giving back to her community. In the past, she has volunteered for the Big Brothers and Big Sisters Club of Halton, the Hamilton and Halton Boards of Education, and the Boys and Girls Clubs of Calgary. She currently sits on the board of directors of Munns Child Care Centre and Oakville Meals on Wheels. She is also the chairperson of the Human Resources Network. When she's not working or volunteering, Kelly likes to go camping with her family, cooking, traveling, and exploring Oakville's network of trails. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. It's exciting to have somebody local on. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about your practice. What is it that you really love about being an employment lawyer? You know what? I think work is such a fundamental part of somebody's life. You spend more time at work than you do at home sometimes, right? And so the relationship between an employer and employee is important. Uh, And I think these issues that come up really matter to people. They matter both to employers who this is their livelihood. This is, you know, so important to, to their company, but also to employees that, you know, their job often is part of their identity. So this practice area to me is you know, it means more than just, you know, fighting over a contract or over money. Mm -hmm, Most definitely. And when it doesn't go well, it really affects people. 
Exactly. Yes. Yeah. There's, is, it's, there's more of a human aspect to it. Yeah. Which is why we're here together. So we're here to talk about harassment in the workplace and how people can minimize that. So how our listeners who are usually HR professionals and CEOs, employers, what is it that you see in your practice where they make their biggest mistakes, do you think? So, you know, most people know that you have to have a harassment policy you know, mm-hmm. in the workplace. However, you know, what a lot of people don't really realize is that, you know, you can have the best policy in the world, but it's worth nothing if it's not properly uh, implemented. Mm -hmm. And so by far, the biggest issue that I see from my employer clients is that they get a demand letter, you know, for constructive dismissal seemingly coming out of nowhere, uh, because the employee is alleging that they, you know, experienced harassment, they complained and nothing was done about it. And so, you know, they say to me, what, there was no harassment, nobody complained, I don't know what's going on. Um, And so ultimately, what I'm seeing out there is often an overarching failure to recognize harassment or failure to recognize what a harassment complaint is. And so, you know, this can come in many forms. Somebody might say, um, you know, so-and-so didn't file a formal complaint. And by the way, a complaint does not need to be formal uh, or in writing. And an awareness of harassment or potential harassment can still trigger a duty to investigate. Somebody might say, the company didn't uh, investigate my complaint the same way that they investigated my colleague's complaint. Uh, And they can say, well, this is because of the color of my skin. And here the issue could be that two different managers implemented the policy differently. And so it's not being implemented consistently across the board. Something else you might hear is, oh, you know, I was penalized for for complaining about harassment. And the issue there can sometimes be the managers don't know what reprisal is or uh, the alleged perpetrator wasn't warned, uh, you know, that they can't retaliate Mm -hmm. against against the complainant. you know, uh, sometimes I hear, well, they complained, but it wasn't about harassment. And here, you know, you don't realize that you don't actually need to have the word harassment in your complaint for it to constitute harassment under the act. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody, okay. somebody might even say, you know, I was terminated because somebody complained about me, but there was no proper investigation. So Mm. any of this stuff can get you into hot water. And if these allegations are proven, an employer could be on the hook for any measure of damages, including general damages, aggravated damages, et cetera, et cetera. And so what can employers do to avoid this? What I'm hearing though, is kind of like overall, there's kind of this failure to recognize what's going on, right? So they're, Mm -hmm. they're blindsided by a demand letter going, wait, where did this come from? Right? So Mm -hmm. failure to recognize it in the first place, failure to the, to implement the policies directly Mm -hmm. failure to even know what a complaint looks like because sometimes the word harassment might not be in there as a complaint but it's important to know Mm -hmm. and then also failure to know what reprisal is so let's break all those down shall we the biggest thing that an employer can do to avoid all of those issues that i just uh that i just outlined Mm -hmm. is training Mm -hmm. it's training your managers uh about what a complaint is training them about what is or is not harassment, Mm -hmm. training on the policy and procedure, including what the proper investigation process is, and and training them in, um, you know, first of all, that there can be no reprisals, and second of all, what reprisals are. 
And that training can, uh, and ensuring that everybody gets the same kind of training, especially your managers and your supervisors, uh, can avoid so many of these issues. And so, you know, aside from the obvious of helping to reduce liability for workplace harassment and failure to investigate, there's a lot of benefits of training. So it can strengthen your workplace culture because in the training, you can communicate your values and your goals. Um, And it also motivates individuals to act appropriately while protecting the reputation of the corporation. Uh, It increases awareness across the board of acceptable and unacceptable behavior. It sends a strong message from the top that harassment is not tolerated. Uh, It empowers bystanders to intervene or to uh, mention something when they do see harassment. And it encourages reporting. So mm-hmm. training is very, very important, um, you know, of especially managers and supervisors, but also for everybody, you know, every, you know, the rank and file, so to speak, employees should also be aware of and be trained in what is appropriate and not and what to do if they mm-hmm. experience harassment. What kind of training would you recommend? So uh, the, I think, you know, I, like I said, I think you need contr- uh, training about what a complaint is, about what is and is not harassment, about the policy and procedure, and on uh, no uh, reprisals. So mm-hmm. as far as what a complaint is, I think what's really important is for managers and supervisors to understand that the Occupational Health and Safety Act requires that there's an investigation appropriate in the circumstances, not just to complaints, but to incidents of harassment. Uh, And so if the manager or supervisor becomes aware of possible harassment, even if it's a verbal complaint, even if it's just they see some kind of inappropriate behavior or they become aware of it in some way, uh, they may have a duty to, to start the investigation process. And of course, not all investigation is going to be the same. And, you know, it might depend on uh, the nature of the information that you have, but um, you can't just, you know, pull the the blinders over your eyes and say, well, I didn't get a formal complaint, so I don't have to do anything. Yeah, I see this a lot. I get called in where somebody talked about something that made them uncomfortable at work and they just said, okay, and then fluffed it off because it wasn't a formal complaint. And then once it escalated, because of course the behavior continued, then it became a formal complaint. Now it's like, oh, now we need to investigate it. And what comes up is, well, why didn't you investigate this the first time? Exactly. Yeah. It's something that's really important to make sure that it doesn't have to have the word harassment. It doesn't have Mm -hmm. to have the word complaint. If it just smells of harassment, if there's a hint of it, it's absolutely something that you want to get on and, and nip it in the bud sooner rather than later. Right. Which brings me to my next point. I think you need to invest, uh, train, uh, your managers and supervisors and, and also all your other employees about what harassment actually is. And so, you know, kind of like, as we were just discussing, harassment doesn't necessarily need to include the word harassment in the actual complaint. So, you know, you may know the definition under the Occupational Health and Safety Act, but um, I think it's important to this issue because everyone needs to understand uh, that uh, it is engaging in a course of vexatious comment 
or conduct directed at an individual and is based upon any of the protected grounds that is known or reasonably ought to known to be unwelcome. And that, by the way, could be one incident or a pattern of incidents. Um, or uh, workplace harassment could be workplace sexual harassment. Uh, and uh, workplace sexual harassment is engaging in a course of vexatious comment or conduct against a worker in a workplace because of sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression, where the course of comment or conduct is known or reasonably known to be unwelcome, or making a sexual solicitation or advance where the person making the solicitation or advance is in a per- position to confer, grant, or deny a benefit or advancement to the worker, and the person knows or ought reasonably to know that the solicitation or advance is unwelcome. And generally, if you're in a position of power, you should know that it's unwelcome, right? Because not everyone's going to feel empowered to speak up against it. Yeah. So what, what I find the problem in that is, is that a lot of people get um, promoted to a manager position because they're good at what they do. Mm-hmm. But they don't understand that they have to manage people now. And part of that is looking for harassment. And part of that is being aware of it and, and not doing it themselves. So yeah. I mean, a lot of times I've investigated, it's been a manager who's, you know, asking a subordinate out over and over again. Well, yeah. you, just, you just can't do that, right? Yeah, exactly. So- and sort of even aside from uh, training about harassment policies, I think, you know, that's a good point because, management is a whole other set of skills than doing a particular job. And, you know, if you're bringing people up into management positions without giving them proper management training, you're going to have a whole number of issues, like not just harassment, but, you know, you could have disgruntled employees or conflict in the workplace or, you know, people not performing to their optimal because that manager doesn't know how to manage. So that's something to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, when it comes to the specific types of behavior that constitute harassment, one of the words that I see used in complaints that are unrecognized is bullying, Mm -hmm. right? Bullying is a form of harassment. So if somebody's complaining about bullying, your obligations to investigate are the same as if somebody files what you would consider a formal complaint of workplace harassment. And I think what's sort of happening in general is we're having a bit of a societal change, like workplace harassment for one reason or another back, you know, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, may have been a lot more inherent in the workplace and nobody really did anything about it because he didn't have to. And so especially where you have people who have been working for a really long time, they may not know that, you know, certain conduct or even certain uh, cultures, workplace cultures are not appropriate anymore and they have to step in and do things right and uh so i think that's and and i think you know now that we have these legislative tools you see employees becoming a lot more empowered to do something about it right and when you get these high profile cases it sort of sends a warning or a message to everybody else that you know we need to actually make sure that our workplaces are respectful and harassment free absolutely Absolutely. Okay. So trainings, recognize what a complaint is. How about reprisals? That was something you brought up. Yeah. So reprisals, um, you know, so there can be no, 
supervisors and managers need to know that there can be no reprisal uh, for filing a harassment complaint or for making a harassment complaint, even verbally, right? Um, or for in- otherwise enforcing your rights under uh, the Occupational Health and Safety Act, or, you know, for that matter, the Human Rights Code or the Employment Standards Act. And, you know, what does rep- reprisal mean? So reprisal means punishment. And so, you know, this can take many forms. The most obvious is you know they can't be terminated or suspended but there comes a lot of subtle reprisals that people will complain of and that managers may not know is actually a reprisal so you know for example you might be given worse shifts right or you uh the manager might just be kind of annoyed so they're harder on them for what would be otherwise a minor slip up that you might not normally say something about or um you're icing, you know, the perhaps not the manager, but the alleged perpetrator might be icing the person out of meetings that they should normally be a part of, or, you know, um, somebody gets passed over for a promotion. All of this is a form of reprisal. And so I think it's very important to uh, ensure that, you know, managers know that this, all of these things are reprisal and they're prohibited, but also that, you know, the alleged perpetrator knows that they cannot take any of these kinds of retaliation against the person filing the complaint. Um, Because sometimes what happens is it, like the person filing the complaint uh, is just feels really sensitive and something might happen that's not actually you know, a reprisal might happen for some other reason, but because they're so sensitive, they may perceive it as that. So uh, I think if everybody's aware that there can't be these reprisals, you can make sure that, you know, you can document things appropriately so that an employer can kind of cover their butt and make sure that certain things are, you know, there's proof that it's not a reprisal. I was just that when it is a reprisal, uh, then appropriate action is taken. Yeah. I was just going to ask you that. So say somebody has come forward with a complaint Mm -hmm. and now a promotion needs to happen. They're not chosen to be the candidate that's promoted because of other reasons, but nothing to do with that. How do you protect Mm -hmm. yourself and say, Oh, it wasn't reprisal. Documentation, 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 right? (laughs) So, you know, you might have performance reviews uh, of these various individuals. You might have warnings for performance issues that they had in the past. You might have criteria that were used to, uh, you know, um, decide whether or not somebody's being promoted. And sometimes, you know, if you think that this person is going to make this allegation of reprisal, sometimes you might want to just delay making the promotion. So there's more of a space uh, mm-hmm. in between, uh, you know, the complaint of harassment and the actual promotion, and then just document, you know, various performance issues or whatever it is that you're using to evaluate who is um uh, going up for that um, promotion. promotion or not. And then what I've also seen too is when, you know, you're doing internal interviews, sometimes this doesn't always happen, but if it does uh, for this particular position, just rank them. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have different criteria that you're ranking them on and you rank, you know, and you have a panel of people and everybody's kind of ranking them and that gets pooled. And then, you know, the person who has the most points is the one who gets the reprisal. It's kind of hard to argue about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and, and that, that is, is something that, you know, 
having that objective evidence is something that can help you across the board, not just in this particular situation. Yes. It's definitely something I wish more employers did is, is document, 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 so that it makes it much easier when there is a complaint or if there's something else that's going on that, you know, you've got it in writing of, you know, what your intentions were and why they were that way and all that kind of Exactly. Thing. Because you mm-hmm. want to avoid a he said, she said, mm-hmm. because that's, or she said, she said, right. Mm-hmm. Because then, you know, it's, a judge could do anything, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, the more evidence you have, uh, the better. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Excellent. Wow, you've covered so much in such a short time. There was so much information. Um, a question that kind of came up for me was, well, what happens after like a complaint has happened? How? Any suggestions on how to um, uh, smooth the waters once um, once things happen after a, an investigation? So say somebody comes forward with a complaint, it's it's deemed not to be harassment. Mm-hmm. What do you do then? Like, how do you? How do you have people work together? How do you repair the, any suggestions on that? Well, you know, I think it would depend on exactly what the issues are that were mm-hmm. raised in the complaint. But, uh, you know, oftentimes what I see is, you know, you'll have an investigation take place about harassment and you might find that there was no harassment, but there were other workplace issues mm-hmm. that were sort of in the background. And then I think what you need to do or what you might want to do is sort of address those other workplace issues to try and uh, smooth over the waters and, um, you know, like just have, have communication with, with the individuals involved. Right. And again, like make sure uh, that uh, there's, there's reminders that there can be no reprisals Mm -hmm. and that the complaint and all that will be, will be confidential, you know, except as necessary to, to conduct the investigation. Mm -hmm. One thing I'm always um, talking with my clients about too, is that you really want to get that when people bring forward a complaint, it's actually a good thing. So people exactly. are, people are so scared of having a complaint or, oh my goodness, what does this mean about my company? It's actually a really good thing because if this is stuff is happening, you want to bring it to the surface so that we could heal it and move forward, right? Even if it's a misunderstanding, you still want to get the misunderstanding to the forefront and then, you know, so that the air could be cleared. And so it's actually doesn't have to be this, oh my goodness, there's an investigation and oh, there's a complaint. So it's in that when you're talking about the, the, the failure to recognize even those little ones you want to bring those to the surface you don't want to shove them under the rug because you know the more you shove under the rug the more you or I are going to have to be brought into the situation so yeah yeah that's that's true like it's good like if you have these legitimate sort of complaints of harassment that are being brought to the surface and you can deal with these workplace issues while they become simmering issues rather than uh, waiting till they become something bigger it's sort of like you're managing your your business sort of based on data as it comes up rather than kind of like driving the car looking out the rearview mirror seeing you know trying to deal with something that happened a year ago and now you've got like this big big lawsuit right yeah, so exactly. uh, so that's that's for sure although I would I would kind of add that sometimes you you get these uh, harassment complaints that may not be brought in good faith but they're brought by somebody who wants to kind of avoid disciplinary action that's going to be happening anyways right so that's a whole other kettle of fish but the majority yeah. of harassment complaints I think are brought in good faith so. yes yeah I think the statistics are really low on those that are not brought in in good faith it takes a lot of courage to come forward 
forward to to say I'm being harassed at work. It takes a lot because people are scared of their of reprisal, right? They're scared of getting fired. They're scared of it being worse. They're scared of the bullying get bully getting stronger. So, um, so yeah. So it's for me, it's always really acknowledge the person who's bringing the complaint forward. Like you really want to acknowledge them and say thank you for bringing this forward. This is a good thing, so that they're not feeling so ostracized. Yeah. And they need to, they need to understand as well that, you know, you're going, there's like right from the get go, there's going to be no reprisals. We are, we're taking your, your uh, complaint in good faith, right? You can't just brush any of them aside. Even if you think they might not be brought in good faith, you still have to treat every complaint as though it were legitimate and, and, you know, conduct your due diligence and your investigations that are appropriate in the circumstances. Exactly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. You are a wealth of information. It is so clear that you are so passionate about what you do and helping people really feel safe at work. So thank you for what you do. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. And if people want to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? Where do they find you? Uh, so my firm is O'Connor McLeod Hanna. So you could just find our website or you can email me at G-R-A-Y at O-M, like mother, H dot C-A. So, and that's the website, O-M-H dot C-A? Yes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here, Kelly. I totally appreciate your time and your expertise and sharing it with our listeners. And for our listeners, please feel free to subscribe so you don't miss any of the beautiful, juicy details from our future guests. Thank you for joining us for the Harassment Free Workplace Podcast. Subscribe now wherever you listen to podcasts so that you don't miss an episode. And please spread the word. Feel free to send us feedback, questions, and suggestions for future guests you'd like to hear from. We'd love to hear from you. For more information on workplace investigations and assessments, please visit www.harassmentfreeworkplace.com. Till next time.